0: Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. So here we are. Uh, I'm back. I was here last week. It was only a week ago, it felt like a month ago. Uh, It's been a long week uh you should be have been hearing from my amazing wife this morning so some of you might be disappointed because you were probably expecting that um but because of a little bit of sickness and a busy week uh i stepped in i actually initially i i said i can help prepare the message and then uh just to give you kind of a head start but then as soon as i started getting into it i was like okay you're not having this back now <laughs> this is my message <laughs> so she uh, reluctantly handed over to me so uh, You can imagine I'm pretty excited about this. I I feel like this this series has been amazing. Uh, I hope you feel the same. Uh, It's just been so much fun just digging into this topic of the character of God. It's such a rich topic. We're now in week four of our five-part sermon series. Christelle, Pastor Christelle is going to be finishing it off next week uh, talking about faithfulness of God. Uh, But today... Um, We're going to continue trying to understand what is God God really like. That's kind of our goal for this series. And the teaching is not centered on our experiences or observations, although we definitely have our own testimonies that support what we've been hearing these last few weeks. Um, Instead, we have looked at what the authors of the Bible actually say about this mystery. And we've noticed that they consistently describe God's character in line with what we heard earlier, Exodus 34, 6, that God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. So, so far we've learned, if you're new to church, I'll just give you a quick recap, if that's all right. We've learned that God's compassion is the response God has when he hears his people cry out to him, just like a mother responds to the cries of her infant and, and just like a mother, it was this physical, emotional compassion that moved Jesus to action while he was on earth, healing and setting people free. And then we learned that God's gracious, graciousness is like a father who delights in showing generous mercy and favor on an undeserving child at times. The law brought grace to Israel, but through Jesus grace is fully realized for all people. And Last week, I spoke about God's long nose, which it might be a bit weird if you're just dropping in for the first time today. So we talked about God's long nose, which is the literal translation of being slow to anger when you look at the Hebrew. And we saw that God is extremely patient with us and that ultimately, It's never his desire to, as he says in the Bible, hide his face or hand us over to our destructive ways. But his desire is to save us from death by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Are you seeing a pattern here? The the character of God is fully expressed in Jesus. It's why if you want to understand the Bible... If you want to understand this book, you gotta understand the person of Jesus. That's when we can truly read the Bible as it's supposed to be read. He is the word that became flesh, a walking, talking revelation of the Father. It's why Jesus concluded his prayer to his followers in John 14:5:7. He said that Thomas said, Thomas said to him, typical with Thomas, Lord, we don't know where we're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Through Jesus, the disciples knew, and they saw the Father. And today, the Holy Spirit, in turn, reminds us, all of us, who Jesus is. So that we too may know the Father. So today we're going to look at the fourth phrase, loyal love. Now, I in my Bible, I think it's um, some. I think it's abounding in, in loving kindness. There's a lot of different words used for this particular phrase, but I'm I'm borrowing again. I'm using my, getting some smartness from the Bible Project. They say that the best translation of that word is this word, loyal love. If you, it, it translates to the Hebrew word chesed, which is hard to translate into any language because it combines the ideas of love, generosity, and crucially, enduring commitment all into one. So it's really hard to find a word in any language that just encapsulates all of those dynamics into one word. So it's important that we understand all those dynamics. So chesed describes an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by a deep personal care. The word, a little bit of trivia again, just like last week, the word appears 248 times in the Old Testament, and nowhere does it appear more than in the Psalms. For example, that now classic hymn, Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord, our God and King, for his love, chesed, endures Forever. There is a key to, to help us understand Chesed in comparison to the other Hebrew words for love, achava, which is a sentiment of affection towards someone that leads to action. You know, we can often do acts of kindness and generosity and love because we're moved by something. It's an, an action to affection. But it's clear when you look at the use of the word that there was an understanding of this chesed, loyal love, from the author. For example, in Mary's song, the Magnificant, we can clearly see that God's loyal love in action. And this is from the New Testament. I, I skipped a point there. I'm just going to go back. <laughs> so I was like, why doesn't that make sense, that point? Maybe it did to you, which is great. But um, So hava, the other version of love, is a sentiment of affection towards someone that leads to action. For example, we are told to ahava, God, with all our strength. Yes, that's what I wanted to say. Chesed, though, is enduring because it is based on promise-keeping loyalty. Loyal love always involves love, but love is not always out of loyalty. It can be to a stranger, for example. Okay? You get that point? Now I can move on. The New Testament, written in Greek, does not have a word for chesed. Instead, often the word Mercy is used. But it's clear when you look at the use of the word that there was an understanding of chesed from the author. For example, in Mary's song, and this is something that always kind of bothered me, that it just seemed out of place, and I think you'll see it here as well. You know this, the Mary's song is often called the Magnificat in the Latin. We can clearly see God's loyal love in action here. If I will just quickly read it for you. Luke 1, 46 to 55, it says, And Mary said, My soul... Glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy, loyal love, extends to those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds. With his arm, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful, show loyal love to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now, although... Mercy is a potential expression of loyal love. Loyal love can look like mercy at times. It is not limited to acts of mercy, but could be expressed in many other forms of generous love. Now, when I read that uh, passage and I change it out for the word loyal love, I think it makes way more sense because she's talking about this this promise-keeping God that has not forgotten her, his people, and that this is actually just a, it's an it's an act of that love. So my first point today is that loyal love is a choice. One great example, there were so many awesome stories in the Bible that I could have picked, but I, I, there's, there's a book that often doesn't get much coverage, but it's just such a great example of loyal love, and it's the story of Ruth. Ruth is a foreigner married to an Israelite man, but tragically, a husband dies along with his Brother and his father. Great tragedy. And all Ruth has left is her widowed mother-in-law, Naomi, who has nothing to give her. Naomi tells Ruth and her sister-in-law, Oprah, that they should go back to their people, releasing them from any obligation. But unlike her sister-in-law, Ruth chooses to stay and promises to remain by Naomi's side and take care of her. I don't have the scripture, but I'll read. Ruth one sixteen seventeen. It's just so beautiful what she says. She Ruth replied, "Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely." severely, if even death separates you and me. Wow, what a strong and beautiful pledge Ruth is making to her mother-in-law there. Again, it's a choice. She didn't have to do that. She had no obligation to her mother-in-law after her husband passed away, but she decided to show loyal love to this woman. Now, other people watch Ruth keep this promise over time, and they called it an act of chesed. Notice that Ruth's chesed is not conditional or based on Naomi's worth. She had nothing to give her. Rather, it's an expression of Ruth's own character. She's a generous and loving person who keeps her word. That's what loyal love is all about. I think many of us have seen loyal love in action. I could have come up with a lot of examples, but... I mean, it could look like a son that looks after his mother with Alzheimer's. It could look like a husband that drops everything on his agenda to look after his wife that has breast cancer. It could be a soldier who refuses to leave behind a comrade. It's a loyal love to someone bound by blood, friendship, or an oath. In my world, there are many fine examples of chesed those that share that love, generosity, and enduring commitment to others. I think it's so essential for our society. We need these kind of oath, loyal, loving people. My grandfather is perhaps one of the finest examples to my family of this kind of loyal love. The eldest... So I'm going to tell you a little bit, trip down memory lane today. I've been doing some research this week, uh, and I think the story is worth telling. The eldest son of nine children... In June 1939, we, we actually have some pictures I'm going to put up just to give you an idea. In June 1939, Reginald Stiles' father died when he was just 18 years old, leaving him as the man of the house. I told myself I wouldn't get emotional. Within a year, he had signed up to join the South African um, Allied War effort, despite being under the enlistment age at the time of 20 He was keen to be able to earn money to send home to his mother and siblings who were in a precarious financial situation after the loss of the breadwinner in the house. He told his poor mother to sign papers believing that he would be defending the borders of South Africa when in reality he would soon be shipping off for campaigns in East and North Africa. Having sworn the African oath, which is a voluntary invitation because there was no conscription at that time. It was an option if you wanted to sign up and enlist. He, he, he joined up and, and was soon off on his way. Uh, during his campaigns, um, despite some spine injuries after a jeep uh, kind of collapsed on them in a sandpit, he continued all the way up into Italy where he was shot in the hand on the second-to-last day of the war in Europe. But he did get to see the end of the war. Although those feats in themselves uh, show just immense bravery and service, it was what he did for the next 67 years that I believe is a real testimony of loyal love. For my grandfather, enlisting in the army was about joining a brotherhood. He and his comrades swore an oath together, and that bond didn't break when he was discharged. Until he died at the age of 91, he would do everything to help his comrades that were in need, either financially or physically, and to remember all servicemen who had answered the sunset call. Even with his own physical challenges, he continued to faithfully get get together with his comrades, uh, help with fundraisers, and join in on marches with his fellow soldiers, often slipping out. Uh, from the family home to run an, er- an errand for a-, a comrade in need. My, fa- my father recounts one time uh, talking to a comrade of his um, at a get-together, and, and he, t- he told this story. Yeah, he recounted how, how um, his dad took care of his old colonel, who was bedridden because he had uh, throat cancer and his wife, unfortunately, was also disabled so they were really struggling. And so my grandfather would get up early in the morning and make a soup and he would grind everything down so that it could be edible for him and he would drive uh, out of town for an hour and sit by his bedside and feed his old kernel uh, soup just in his last few months of his life, um, never forgetting the bond that they had Um, whilst in the army together. The the Latin motto of his regiment, the Prince Alfred's Guard, is Fidelis et Fortis. It means loyal and strong. For for my grandfather and his comrades, loyal love was all about honoring an unbreakable bond between them. The memorial symbol of many of these uh, legions or is one of remembrance the candle is one of remembrance it's a call not just to remember but a call to continue honoring the promise the oath that they made now my grandfather reg as we call him and roof of the bible and i'm sure many people in your life as well that exemplify this loyal love and countless others are truly inspiring to us but the one who shows the most enduring chesed is god His loyal love is unconditional. Sometimes showing loyal love to those that we are bound to is really hard, especially when the recipient is clearly undeserving. Like in the story about Jacob, a treacherous liar even to his own family, he tricked his brother out of his inheritance. Now, he faced the consequence of that, later being tricked by his own uncle, but despite his flaws, God chooses him and repeats the promise he made to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. That he would have a huge family for whom God would restore his blessing to the nations. And so 20 years later, when Jacob realized how undeserving he is, he says to God this. He says, I'm not worthy of all the chesed you've shown me. And he's right. But God's of love was never about Jacob's worth in the first place. It's a display of God's generous loyalty to his promise. God's chesed continues into the story of Jacob's descendants, the Israelites. When they're enslaved by Pharaoh in Egypt, we're told that God remembered his promise to Abraham and to Jacob. So God defeats Egypt and raises up Moses to liberate the people and lead them into the promised land. And in the story, this is called an act of chesed because it was about God keeping his word. Now, on the way to the promised land, the Israelites, they're scared of the nations around them, and they doubt that God can actually protect them. They start to doubt him. So the people threatened to kill Moses and appoint a new leader to take them back to Egypt. And God is understandably hurt, and he's angry. But Moses steps in, and he says this. He says, forgive the sin of these people because of your great kesel. Notice that Moses asked God to forgive, not because the people deserve it. It's because it's consistent with God's own character. And God agrees. And he recommits himself to a people that shows reluctance to commit to him. In the Bible, (laughs) God is loyal and loving for no other reason than that's just who God is. That's his nature. Of course, he wants his people to respond with chesed in return. But even when they don't, God's chesed remains. Pastor Quinton, and he always used to say this, the one thing that stuck with me, he always used to say, he used to encourage us by saying this, that God is so committed to us. Do you remember that? He always said, God is so committed to you. The question was always, but what is our response to that? You don't have to doubt if God is committed to you. Are you committed to him? It's about our response. The prophet Hosea compared Israel's chesed to a morning mist, that, he is, that is, is here one moment and gone the next. But God's chesed is enduring. Like in the celebration Psalm 136 that opens by saying, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then 26 times repeats, his chesed is forever. There is a sense in which God's promises are unconditional. In that our disobedience will not ultimately for God's intention to be gracious. But there is also a sense in which they will be, they're only going to be released through the obedience of God's people. Now, this tension is not finally resolved until Jesus comes and fulfills the law completely. Through his obedient life and sacrificial death, all of the promises of God can finally be released to men and women. Thus, the Apostle Paul can say in 2 Corinthians 1.20, he says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. And when we add, in our response, our amen to his perfect life and sacrifice, we receive all things promised for God's glory and our everlasting good. So my final point this morning is this, that God's loyal love is everlasting. And so after centuries of Israel betraying their commitment to God, and after humanity's long history of violence and death, God still kept his promise in a dramatic and drastic way by becoming human and binding himself to us in the person of Jesus. And the people who followed Jesus of Nazareth said that in him they encountered the God of Israel, who is full of loyal love and faithfulness. Jesus is the ultimate loyal and loving human. And in his life and death and resurrection, God opened up a new future for all of us and for all creation. And God did this because it's just who God is. He's generous, he's loving, and he's eternally loyal to his promises, And when we experience the the purity and the power of God's loyal love shown through Jesus, it compels us to reimagine why and how we can show chesed back to God and to the people around us. This is what it means to say that God is overflowing with loyal love. God abounds, some translation says, he abounds in lower love because he doesn't forget his bond to us he's committed to us through jesus we are bound to the father our faith is an oath of a covenant people he promises that we will forever be his people that we would know him and that he would and that we would be shown mercy because of that paul gives us a really good picture of God's loyal love at work in our world in this letter to Titus. In Titus 3, verses 4 to 7, it says, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his loyal love, by the washing of regeneration, and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, unfortunately, us humans, we aren't always loyal. Even when we have bonds that should be honoured And I remember my father was once woken up at 2 a.m. to the cries of help. Uh, Coming from the local harbor, he just heard this faint cry of help. And so he called the police and he went over to inspect because it was just across the street from where we lived. And he was shocked to find a drunk fisherman had fallen between two boats and was trapped by his head. Uh, And he was partially in the water, uh, in the icy winter waters, by the way. Um, so with some help from the police, he was able to hoist this man to safety and get him some medical attention, undoubtedly saving his life. Now, when this fisherman was discharged from hospital, he said to my father, you'll you'll never want, you'll never have want of a fry again, which basically means you'll never need to buy fish again. Like, I got your sword because he's a fisherman. My dad was obviously really happy to hear that because he eats a lot of fish, uh, but This was the last time he spoke to my dad. Um, Oddly, every time he saw my dad, he would avoid him, even crossing the road, so that he wouldn't have to speak to him. And that might strike you, as it does me, a little bit odd uh, behavior, but I think that we've all been a little bit guilty of ingratitude at times for someone who has done something amazing for us, (laughs) not least with our own savior. Jesus that died on the cross for our sins, that did what we could not do, and yet we struggle to honor him. Metaphorically, we're crossing the road to avoid him at times, his church and his mission call. I want to invite the band up now as I come into a close. You see, God's loyal love should internally motivate us as receivers of Jesus' compassion and grace to extend that same loyal love to others. As Jesus said, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is the chesed calling for us to live a life of loyal love for God by living for others. In 1 John 3:16 to 18 we can read this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to in turn lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not just love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. That's loyal love. It has an action to it. It's not just a sentiment. It's not just some kind of desire. It's, it has action. And just like the fishermen, I'm sure we have our reasons for not following through on our promises for not living up to who we want to be, maybe as a father, as a husband, as a mother, as a wife, as a son or a daughter, as a friend. We come up short. And the tragedy is that we so often do not do what we desire and and, and know that we really ought to do. That our yes is not always a yes. Perhaps you feel like circumstances or the cares of this world have crowded out your good intentions towards others. But you want to be that person of honor, and God wants you to be that person of honor. And the good news this day, the good news is that even if you have shown yourself in the past disloyal, you know that you haven't honored God The way that you you feel like you really should. Or that relationship, your wife, your husband, your kids, whatever it is where you just feel like you're coming up short. You haven't shown that loyal love. The amazing, incredible good news is that even if you have shown yourself disloyal at times, our God, He remains loyal because it is who He is. He is loyal. I want us to just stand now, and I'd like to pray over us, because as I was just preparing this message, I felt like we, there's a lot of people in this room, and myself included in that, and we have this great desire to honor, and that, that comes from our Father, that's His nature, we are made in the image of God, we are made to be an honorable people, to honor those oaths, those commitments, those bonds, whether it be family or friendship. And yet we know we've come up short. We know at times we haven't shown that law to, we have a desire to be that person. But we feel so far away from it at times. There is grace for you this morning. There is grace to become that honorable person, that person that that shows loyal love no matter the cost, if it's physical, emotional, whatever it is, you can be that person. You know, I, I, come, I come to church, one, because it makes my pastors happy that I come to church, of course. But ultimately, I come to church because I want to honor God. I want to honor God that has done so much for me, I can never repay him. one of the ways I can honor him is I can honor his church. I can honor the people that he's put in my life, my brothers and sisters, by praying for them, by being there for them, by building his church, by seeing the furthering of his kingdom. I can show loyal love in that. He's made it possible. He hasn't given us a task that is beyond us. He's given us the tools to be loyal in our love. So I feel like God is calling us to rise up when whatever relationship that is, whatever commitment that we have made, and we feel like we're so far away, God's grace is there for you. So let's just pray right now. And perhaps just bring that to God right now in your heart. Just lift that up. Whatever relationship that is, whatever you feel like you've fallen short, just lift it up to God right now. Ask for his grace in that situation. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you do not give us tests that are beyond us, Lord God, that you brought people into our life for a reason, Lord, that you want us to be a people that love our God and love others with all that we have, Lord. You want us to be a people of honor, a people that reflect your nature, Lord, that reflect the nature of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that is loyal that is everlasting, that is unchanging, that always has the intent to bless, we thank you for that, Lord God. We ask this morning, Lord, for your, in your mercy, Lord God, that your grace would give us strength, Lord, to be the people that you have called us to be, Lord, that we would rise up in your strength, Lord, and we would be a source of your love in this world to our family, to our friends, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, that even if we might have doubts, Lord, if we can ever be that father, we can ever be that mother, that son, that daughter, that co-worker, that friend, Lord God, we can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. I thank you, Lord God, that you fill us this morning, Lord. You anoint us for the life that you have called us to live, Lord God, that we may exemplify your loyal love in this world, Lord, that we may live a life of honor, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that you give us renewed hope for those relationships this day, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name, we praise you, Lord God.